When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here. Checking out the series. Uh, Please hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out. Uh, Three brand new interviews every single week. That's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists. Discover some new ones and know what's happening in the music world at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or again, anywhere you get your podcast from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm going to be talking with the Go-Go's drummer, Gina Schock, about her new book, Made in Hollywood, All Access with the Go-Go's. It's a photo collection that takes us back to the band's early 80s explosion that also contains essays from some of, uh, well, their famous friends. Now, uh, Gina's uh, also going to talk about those early days of van touring, having Paul Rubens as their opening act and his Pee Wee Herman character, and the support given and received from uh, other women artists of the time, including B-52's Kate Pearson and Joan Jett. Uh, Gina's also going to talk about the band's big nights of being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, recording their 2020 comeback single Club Zero, and a tease of the projects they have on the way. So let's get into it, shall we? It's Kyle Meredith with Gina Schock of the Go-Go's. Hello. First off, I know I've got to say what everybody's saying, but congratulations on uh, on the big night and being inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. It was quite uh, quite a thrill, I've got to tell you. Yeah, well, I know for uh, I know for you and you all, but uh, for a lot of us fans, it's a it's a long time coming. I was uh, I, w- I was uh, just uh, waiting for that for years. I think for a lot of us uh, to go along with that, though, you've also got this great new book, Made in Hollywood: All Access with the Go Go's, and 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 let's start out with the easy thing. Uh, was it just the timing of linking up with this Hall of Fame thing? What brought on the idea for the book? Oh my gosh, the book idea has been floating around for decades I've wanted to do the book I just need I needed somebody to help me to put it together because it was just too overwhelming you know I mean I had so many pictures and so many posters and buttons and I mean you name it I've got it and I I, I had to have somebody to help me with it because I, I just just too much so did finally found the right person brought them up to San Francisco to have a look at what I had, and they were like, oh, my God, this is incredible. We need to write a book proposal. proposal. We need to get you a deal. So we did that, and then a year and a half later, we we have a, the book came out, and I am super proud of it. Um, it really was a labor of love. It was really uh, – the, the whole process of the book was, was fantastic for me because I was just reliving everything, you know. 
um, looking at the photos and writing the stories with photos about what was going on, you know, in that particular photograph or during that particular time period. And it was uh, very uh, heartwarming, the whole thing. Well, these type of photos have always been sort of my favorite, the candid photos. I mean, you have the uh, the stage shots and your gods on the stage, but then you get, you know, those little moments in, in, you know, off the stage, in the green room, outside at the airport, in the van. Yeah, no, I wanted to, I just wanted to capture, the, you know, things. I mean, at, at the time, I was just, I was just snapping away at my bandmate, with my bandmates, you know what I mean? I wasn't thinking oh, one day I'm going to put this all together and have a photo book. I, you know, I, I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was just, just having fun doing what I love to do, which and I love photography. Um, and, you know, it's just like, I have very willing subjects in, in my bandmates. So um, we, we were just, you know, a gang of girls having fun, taking photos. Yeah. When you look back at those, you said, you know, reliving those moments. There's one uh, you've got titled Van 81, and I thought, I, I wonder, like, can you still feel that van? Do you know what that van feels like? Oh, my God, that van was so horrible. We destroyed that van. <laughs> By the time we were finished with it, I think we left it in Chicago. It was just destroyed. We had written all over the ceilings and uh, busted. It got all busted up and got hit by another car. And, oh, it was a mess. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. We were driving around in that van all over the entire country in a 12-seater van. Jeez. We all pay our dues. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. We were paying our dues. It was the five of us plus a, uh, a sound man and a you know front of house guy. Oh my god, it was outrageous. With um with this book, you also have a lot of friends, artists, uh, writing as well. Uh, one I was caught off guard, and I think there's there's it seems to me there's always one person that every interviewer is like, how did they get in the book? But when I saw Paul Rubens on there, I thought, how did he get in the book? Uh, because Paul. Um, when Paul first came out, we, we, you know, we thought, wow, he is incredible. This guy is so funny. And so we were doing three nights at the Greek theater. So we asked Paul to come out and do his little shtick before we went on each night. And, and he, he showed up and, and did exactly that. And, you know, I was talking to him the other day and it was like, he, he said, he, you know, half the audience just stood there with their mouths hanging open, didn't know what the hell to make of this character Wee herman and the rest of them thought it was hilarious so it was you know a mixed bag for him but he you know he did his he did his uh, Wee herman thing and <laughs> the rest is history oh i love that uh kate pearson also in here i'm, I'm such also a big fan of kate and, and you've got to pick a, oh yeah yeah you and you and joan jett i when i talk to artists especially women of the 90s they talk about really being pitted against each other and and never being able to collaborate I don't really get that same sense, especially looking at this book, as the scene that you all came up in. Was that ever the case? No, not really for us. I, I never, never really felt that way about other women artists or anything. We've always been supportive of, of other women artists because there, there were so so few when we were coming coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we were always happy when when another woman artist would make it. Amazing, I, I, I say again, gods of the art uh, that you all are. I mean, uh, also mentioning Kate and Joan in that as well, which you know, following that you're all's careers. That was one class, and now here you are in another class, as we talked about with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, pairing you with Tina Turner, Carol King, Jay Z, Foo Fighters, Todd Rundgren uh, as the main cast there. Um, I, I don't I don't know if, if, if there is a way to kind of uh, put that into words, but 
what does it feel like being in in that class uh, of artists? Do you do you feel a commonality <laughs> with them? Well, it just feels like it's been a long time coming. As you said earlier, it's been quite a while. We were we had just given up and thought, oh, it's never going to happen. Um, and of course, when you give up, it happens. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, everybody that that was inducted, you know, this year as well are all fantastic um, artists. Um, so we we're in a good class, and we, uh, you know, we just every, everybody really is thrilled. I mean, we've been talking every day since then, and you know people are writing, oh my God, I'm still on cloud nine. I can't believe it really happened. And I mean, it was just an incredible night of, it was who's who, everywhere you walked, you ran into somebody and lots of photo ops. And uh, it was just something else. And we got up and played our three songs. That was fantastic. We played really well. Um, uh, it, it was just a magical night. It was uh, just a couple of years ago. I was talking with Kathy Valentine in an interview as well, and and at that point we were both uh, trying to figure out why you all weren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, especially considering how many artists through the decades have uh, have noted you all as a big influence. Do you know, like, was it, why why it was now finally the time? I mean, it should have been a decade ago, but know, why I'm now? I'm not sure. I, I I know that there was a change of guard there. You know, they they're people got, uh, people left or were dismissed or whatever, and they brought in all new people mm-hmm. um, at the Rock Hall. So that may have something to do with it. Um, and I think there was a lot of people were giving them pressure about it, too, because it was just, I don't know, every year it was just getting hotter and hotter, the whole the whole, the whole subject of us getting in there, you know what I mean? Um, so um, it was definitely time. Um and we were uh, we were ready for it. Well, bringing it back into that present, uh, you put out the song Club Zero, which I uh, absolutely loved. Yeah. We played a lot of WFPK. Uh, that came along with the documentary. What does this mean for the future of the Go-Go's? Is there, is there more new music uh, that's been made or to be well, made? Well, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about a lot, a lot of stuff happening right now because now we're all, I don't know, you know, it took a little kick in the pants to get us all right back on track and Believing again that people really care about the band, people want to hear us. And I, you know, I mean, I know we—it's just nice to, to get that sort of act, those sort of accolades. You know, and when you're out and about, and people walk up to you and tell you, "Oh, that you know that you're incredible," or "I love your drumming," and it's sort of like you're sort of taken aback. <laughs> you know, um, so I think that we'll be out there doing. We have several projects that we're working on right now, and hopefully, they'll come to fruition next year. I sure hope so. Like I said, Club Zero. Was it easy for that one to be like that song? Just sounds so in the pocket for you all. Well, it's it's a typical Go Go song, but it was not easy to put together because we were in five different places. Um, Belinda was in Bangkok, and I was in San Francisco, and Jane was in Hawaii. Kathy's in Austin. Um, Charlotte was in L.A., and so it was really difficult to put that together. I don't ever want to have to do that again. <laughs> I mean, whew, it took a long time to get it together, but it turned out well. It turned yeah. out really great. I'm happy with it. I love it as well. Uh, well, Gina, again, congratulations on the Raw Call. Congratulations on this book, Made in Hollywood, All Access with the Go-Go's. And, uh, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it today. I sure appreciate it, and I hope you love my book as much as I do. It was really a, a labor of love. When you open, open that book up and look through the page, you're going you're gonna to see this band 
through my eyes, through a member, a band member, you know what I mean? Uh, it's not just some outsider telling a story. It's someone inside the band. And that's what I feel is so cool about this book. We love it. Thank you so much. And, uh, and take care. Thank you. Bye, hun. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Big thanks to Gina Shock there of the Go-Go's. Now, I'm also going to include uh, the interview that we kind of referenced uh, here just a few minutes ago. Uh, back in 2019, when I caught up with GoGo's bassist Kathy Valentine. Now, for this one, we took a trip back to 1994 to discuss the 25th anniversary of Return to the Valley of the GoGo's. Uh, but we also got to talk about what it was like to be in the band at the time when punk had gone mainstream. How many of those artists were citing the GoGo's as a major influence, and uh, their experience playing with like Courtney Love, Hole, Green Day, and the whole Riot Girl movement. Now, at this point, of course, the Go-Go's had not been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we did talk about that as well. Uh, Kathy got to address that along with so many more things. So I'm going to include that here. Part two of Kyle Meredith with the Go-Go's. So, you know, there's always a lot of nostalgia tied to the Go-Go's. But uh, I, I wanted to kind of concentrate first on, uh, on 1994 because it's the 20th, 25th anniversary of uh, Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's. And by 1994, I mean, the band had, had already came and gone and, and came back again. And, and maybe we just kind of start there. What did it feel like to be a go-go in 1994? I felt, you know, very grateful. You know, obviously we had, I think we had not played together in quite a while. We kind of reunited after breaking up in 1990 and... We split apart again, and so it was kind of the first time in a while we had we had gotten to to play and stuff, and it was really exciting to work on something new. That was the best thing of all to do, you know, to write new material, and that's what made it seem very. Uh, it felt it felt valid, you know. It felt relevant to right. be doing new stuff. And you got three, you know, songs there towards uh, well, right at the end of uh, of the compilation with "Good Girl," "Beautiful," and "The Whole World Lost Its Head." Uh, one of your compositions there too. Why was it not a full length record? Was there any reason at that point? Well, the impetus wasn't to make a record. The IRS had decided to do the introspect or the retrospective to kind of cover everything that hadn't been covered in the band's history, I think, and to have an oral chart of the journey of the band. But for us, we felt like it wasn't enough, that, that just it wasn't enough to make an interesting package and to really be a journey that it should go up until the present. And the present didn't have anything. So we decided to make something to, to 
that would bring it up to the bring the journey of the whole retrospective up into the present day. And that was the impetus. It, it wasn't like the other way around where, oh, let's make a record and only write three songs for it and fill it up with other stuff. Were those sessions any different from the ones in the past? I mean, obviously, you know, with, with history, the way it had played at that point, do, do you remember how those sessions went? Yeah, I remember very well because, um, you know, we, we worked with a producer named John Porter and John was somebody I was familiar with and I really liked his whole aesthetic about music and his what what he was into and it brought another element. He was very, you know, very deeply enmeshed in rock and blues and just a, a very Catholic knowledge and breadth of, of taste and what he was into and what he liked and bringing that to the band was really different because in the past we'd worked with Richard Goddard twice who was fantastic and Martin Russian who was also fantastic but I think both of their strongest influences were a bit more narrower than John Porter so I think the the sound uh, and the production really benefited from it, it was a departure for us so the sessions reflected all of those new elements you know, looking at the lyrics of uh, of the whole world lost its head, and you've got that line in there: "Mary ate her little lamb, and punk rock isn't dead," which I, I don't know if you meant it to be, but was so well timed, you know, for that era too. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering you know, punk rock had 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 made its you know breakthrough once again with uh, with the latest wave and Nirvana and everything that happened there, as history told us, and. When you consider, like, if a band is around long enough, if if a band is around especially over decades, you get to a point where, you know, there's a lull and then eventually it comes back around and you start seeing all the influence and all the, you know, bands saying how big of an influence, you know, that band was to them or whatever. What what I'm getting to here is it seemed to happen so much quicker with the Go-Go's. Like, here you are only in the second decade and you have bands right away saying, we love the Go Go's. They were a huge influence on us. I mean, I, I, I think, I think I, you know, I remember what was it? Everclear doing "Our Lips Were Sealed," and that was still in the you know late early '90s or something like that. And it seems like there was a lot of that going on, right? Yeah, and a lot of the the Riot Girl bands and stuff. And I remember the '90s was when I don't know if they still do this, but a lot of the radio stations were were having these big concerts with, with um, like Christmas concerts and this and that. And it'd be like a radio station with and all the bands of the era would be would be on these. It was kind of like I think it might have predated some of the big you know annual festivals. Mm-hmm. So we were doing a lot of those and. And sometimes there would be bands that, you know, we were kind of worried would we would feel like, you know, the dinosaurs or something. But instead, we got we got so much uh, credit and acceptability. We One of the shows we played with Hole and, you know, we were scared. We were scared what Courtney was going to say. And she went up and said, if it wasn't for the Go-Go's, I wouldn't be here. So it was really nice to kind of get that, that acknowledgement and that recognition at that time. It's appropriate that we'd be talking about this today when the Rock Hall nominees came out. Oh, right. And the Go-Go's were once again overlooked. You know, we've been eligible for some time and we don't, we've never even made it onto the nominating list. And it, it kind of amazes me that, that uh, how overlooked we are, considering that the influence was quite acknowledged in the 90s, maybe not so much now, because as you get further and further away, you know, there's probably more girls starting bands now because of Avril Lavigne than the Go-Go's. <laughs> but, but, you know, as you, as you get further away, that, that influence 
maybe starts looking diluted or something. But the 90s, like you say, it was close enough to when we had been at our heights of our of our success. There, there, it was a strong influence, and it was felt, and it was acknowledged. And that was a, a nice thing. If I had known then that we, you know, we would go on to be ignored, I would have <laughs> been even more happier about it. Which <laughs> <laughs> is the way it goes. Well, and it, and it is nice because, you know, this compilation that we're talking about with Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's does paint that really well. I mean, when you go back, and I know that, you know, there's that, that first little section there uh, predates your time in the band, but, but you know, they, as it's been told, I mean, the Go-Go's pretty much came from, if not the punk scene, then a punk sound? I would say the punk scene. I think the way I understand it is, and the, I mean, I was in L.A. I wasn't in the Go-Go's, but I was in L.A., and I was definitely in the clubs and seeing all the bands that were happening. And the, the, the thing is that the, the punk rock scene really leveled the playing field as to who could ha- have a band. And it, I think it really opened things up for women, you know, a lot. And it just seemed like it was about your your message and your attitude and and your passion and and so many things rather than your virtuosity. I mean, for me, when I first started playing, I, I thought I would have to be as good as I was playing guitar when I first started. And I thought I would have to be as good as, as Jeff Beck, you know, before I could have a band. And then all of a sudden there's the Ramones and the Pistols. And I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute. I can do this now. Didn't I read uh, Susie Quattro had a also, that was one of the moments for you. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was before punk rock. That was when, for me, that was when I realized that that she was the first woman I saw being a rock star. And there had been others. There had been others, but I didn't know about them because I guess if if a... if a female band that was maybe got together and was playing in the sixties, if they didn't get, if they didn't become Herman's hermits or something and become like hits on the radio, it was deemed irrelevant. But I think for girls, for young teenage girls, it wouldn't have been irrelevant at all to have seen or known about the early bands, but it, it, you didn't see a lot of them. I didn't even know about Fanning until 1981. I didn't even know there was a Fanny. <laughs> so there were a lot of bands, a lot of women playing music, but they didn't always filter down to the girls in the 70s that were starting, that were interested in playing. And I know Susie Quattro is what made me realize I could be a, a, a musician, or I was already playing guitar, but it didn't occur to me that I could be in a band and be a, you know, be a rock star, or a pop star. And I know that she was the same. It was the same deal for Joan Jett. I mean, Joan worshipped Susie. She's got a uh, uh, Susie's got a new record out, and it's fantastic. If you haven't heard it, no, I haven't. I would love to hear it. Who produced it? Um, I'm not sure who produced it. It's called No Control. I don't know. It's it's Susie Quattro. It sounds like Susie Quattro. It sounds exactly like I'd want it to sound like too. It's it's really really I good. Got to, uh, I got to meet her a few years ago and give her an award at a women's music conference, and it was just such a. a a cool thing after all these years to get to tell her what she, how she had changed my life and be the one to, to present her with this kind of vanguard award. It was really cool. I'll kind of pull it back in here too. Although while we're kind of around the, in that area, you know, uh, so as we're looking at this compilation, when you do finally pop in to the band, you brought some of what would become hits with you. I mean, Vacation came from, it predates the Go-Go's, right? Yeah, Vacation, I had recorded in the text tones, and uh, we kind of rushed into our second record and weren't really prepared material-wise, but 
we had already started doing vacation. I had shown that song to Charlotte when we were hanging out one night. And as soon as it got worked up, we, um, I mean, our very first live concert video was filmed in, uh, I think it was the end of 81 at Palos Verdes High School. And it was called Totally Go-Go's. And our very early version of vacation is on that. So we we were already doing it live. So that became one of the first ones that we worked up. And then another song I'd written from the, the text tone days made it onto the record, which is called We Don't Get Along. So, yeah, we, we kind of had to scramble to find material, and I had a few ready to go. How, how similar or different were they from the text tones to the Go-Go's, those songs? Vacation... When I showed it to Charlotte, she she thought that it needed a stronger chorus. So the two of us wrote the chorus together. So you you will hear the same structure and melody and words, but the part that we we worked on together was the vacation. All I ever wanted had to get away. The chorus, basically, we worked on that together. And then the the hooks, like the intro. Da, 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 da. We came up with that in the studio. I don't think that was in the song that I wrote. It wasn't. But the Texans version was a little bit more thrashy, kind of like funky pop version. And We Don't Get Along was a little bit more of a traditional rock and roll kind of song, which wasn't the Go-Go's exact direction, but but we kind of did our own version of it. I'll close out with that compilation because I did want to hit back on that single with the whole world lost its head. Uh, lost its head ended up being uh, a huge hit in the UK. But it, it, it's one of those songs that sort of finds relevance, you know, w- with every new era. How the songs kind of update themselves. We have, uh, I think, two or three times, and it's sad because I don't know if we have it documented. But two or three times when we've added that song into our touring set over the years, uh, we've rewritten the lyrics. Oh, really? Yeah, to reflect the the more current times. Because, I mean, some of the lines work, like you say, they're, they're, they can be slotted into any era. But, but there was so much crazy shit going on that uh, each all the time. But really now, we even rewrote the lyrics for um, last summer when we played the Hollywood Bowl. But... Because it was the, the, we were playing with the Philharmonic and it was like 4th of July. <sighs> we kind of got dissuaded to do it because it was pretty harsh about, about what's going on now. It was, it was pretty, um, you know, I wish I had the lyrics. I'm, I'm sure I got them somewhere. Cause, but anyway, yeah, we've, we've changed those lyrics to reflect the time as we added it into the concert set. Cause we've toured, you know, pretty much since uh, 94, 95, since that record came out. Yeah, we we pretty much toured on a regular basis. And many times we would add uh, Whole World Lost Its Head and update it. Yeah. And sometimes we'd pass the lyrics, we'd print out a bunch and pass them out to the people in the audience so they could sing along with oh, us. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, on, on one hand, it's oddly comforting to know that it's always been crazy to a point, although, you know, I was plenty old enough back then, and I'm plenty old enough now to see the difference in in what we're going through. And it it does seem much crazier at this point, like what sometimes what I would give for what we thought was crazy in '94, you know, versus oh, now. Oh yeah, I mean nowadays we could rewrite the lyrics to the whole world lost its head every week. Right. I mean, literally, it's like it's it's I, like I. I sometimes I just have to like go. I'm not looking at the news. I'm not going to look at it anymore. I can't handle it. 
So yeah, we could we could redo that one on a weekly basis <laughs> or definitely a monthly basis. Um, probably this entire uh, last couple of years. But yeah, the one we wrote last year it had it, it had a lot of stuff in it. It had um, I'm sure I have them somewhere. I'm not there's probably versions. There's probably YouTube live stuff of us doing other versions. We always keep Mary had a little lamb, <laughs> or ate, ate her little lamb. Right. In punk we always keep that line. It's a hell of a line. But it's my Claudia, favorite line. Yeah, look, you know Claudia Schiffer and all that stuff. That kind of got dated. So anything that was dated went out, and we. Plenty, there's never a lack of material put in that song. So coming up then, the documentary, is that really what's the big thing that's happening next? Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it is happening next, and I'm pretty in the dark about it. We still haven't seen a cut of it, and we still don't know when it will premiere, but we've been told by the director, who we have a lot of trust in, Allison Elwood, that it's one of, if not her favorite, one of her favorite projects she's ever done, and I'm, we're all very curious and really excited about it because prior to this documentary, the only thing really out there was behind the music, which none of the nobody in the band was thrilled with that. They, we really felt like they kind of form fit a narrative that fit what they wanted the story to be, and kind of didn't go into some of the really positive fun and influential aspects of the band. So hopefully the documentary will circle around and help that acknowledging relevance issue we seem to be having lately. Documentaries are working so well right now. It seems like we're getting a lot, but each one of them seems to land with the impact that I would guess the artist would hope for. But uh, I don't know. Uh, there's something in the air. There's something in the air right now, it feels like, for the Go-Go's. So... Something significant about the three new songs off of Return to the Valley of the Go-Go's. Two of those songs, Good Girl and Beautiful, were both prominently featured in the our Broadway musical, Head Over Heels. Oh, right. And uh, they were highlights, and we, I was really happy when that, that, you know, we had a good six-month run on Broadway, and it's now uh, appearing in regional theaters and theater groups and high schools, a lot of high schools are, are uh, licensing this musical, which is great because of it's got so many themes of, of inclusion and love and all its forms. But one of the things I was really happy about was how how they really mined the catalog and, and chose songs that, that hadn't had that much exposure. And both Beautiful and Good Girl were just standouts in that in the musical. That's what I mean. I mean, with the musical going on, with the occasional reunion show you all have been doing, you know, it's 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 time. It, it, it's it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, as you said, that the Go Go's aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's, but uh, you know, I can't even blame them. I mean, I've seen I've, they have a thing there where the where people that visit vote, you know, on who they think should be nominated. And we're not getting those votes either. So I, it would be great to say, oh, those rock hall people, they, they have a vendetta against us. But you can't really because it's just a general kind of overlook. Mm -hmm. We're just overlooked. And, you know, I get it. It took me a long time before I started really crediting Susie Quattro. I didn't, you know, when you're when you're kind of in the present, you don't really go around talking about what made you right. want to do what you do. But as you get older and, and, and retrospective, I mean, now, especially I've written a, uh, I've written a memoir that's coming out in, in April, 2020. And, um, 
I'm super excited about this book. And I, I think that I think with the with the book, which really, you know, it's written from the point of view of a of a, a girl who decided she wanted to be in a band. Of course, I'm talking in a third person and me and wanted to be in a band and traces that journey and, and the, the rise of the Go-Go's and what and from my perspective, the significance of everything we did together and accomplished. And I think with this book and the documentary, hopefully some people will start speaking up, you know? I mean, we we did some shows with Green Day, and, you know, the the drummer Trey said that he learned to play drums by playing along to Gina on, yeah. on our, our records. So that always helps when, when artists speak up, you know? That, and I, I don't know how, as they go into other female-centered bands. I mean, Whitney Houston and Pat Benatar are nominees this year, and I don't think they would ever say that the Go-Go were an influence, but, <laughs> but there's a lot, of, a lot of females in the 90s that had bands that I think would right. say that, that we, we did the same thing for them that Susie Quattro did for me. I, I love the Go-Go's. I mean, you all have put out some of my all-time favorite music and uh, and any oh, excuse, yeah, any excuse I can ever get to revisit it, I always take. I also wanted to ask about uh, you know what you've got going on outside of the Go Go's too. Um, any solo singles or, or another Blue Bonnets? Are you going to do that? Uh, what, what's next uh, after this? Like I said, I have my book coming out, which which has been my focus for the past three years. It took me to write that, and I finished it, and I've been writing a soundtrack to it. And it's been one of the most creative and fun and exciting musical things I've ever done. And I really like that because I'm 60 years old and I've been in bands nonstop since for 45 years, basically. And there's, there's not a lot of females walking around that can say they have not been in a band <laughs> ever <laughs> in 45 years. You know, I mean, when the Go-Go's aren't playing, I'm still... Playing. I'm still in a band and I'm still playing and I, I really have enjoyed that. So with this, and I did do a solo record in 2005, but it's really just never been, you know, I kind of just always wanted to be a girl in a band, but doing this soundtrack for my book, it's, it's just really cool to me to be doing something so exciting and new and different and cool at, at 60 after playing in bands for 45 years to, that, that I'm still so excited and I'm really loving it. And it will be something that will help promote the book and something to make my book appearances more interesting because I'll be able to kind of play stuff that goes along with the chapters. It's completely inspired by the, it's a soundtrack basically. It's not just a record not just the song, it's a soundtrack. So it's very different and cool. And uh, the Blue Bonnets just did a very short tour and support. Uh, we were supporting the Toadies, which is another oh, yeah. band from that same era when we, or, or what we were talking about. And that was super fun. Uh, great guys, great audiences. That was really good. And um, the Go-Go's have work coming up this summer. So I'm I'm really busy. I mean, i very fulfilled musically and with this new thing of writing i i think i did a really good job on this book and i am very much looking forward to continuing that as part of my career is is i want to continue to write and uh write more books because i think i'm good at it yeah i cannot and wait to read it um, thank you i'm yeah. excited yeah uh who's putting out the book out of curiosity. UT Press. They've released some, 
some really cool books. Vivian Goldman's, you know, uh, Revenge of the, of the Sheep Hunks, and Kristen Hirsch, uh, the book she did on Vic Chestnut, and uh, the book on t- A Tribe Called Quest. I mean, they're just doing so many cool. I couldn't be more more proud to be affiliated with, with uh, UT Press. I'm really just feel really honored that they asked me and, and proud to be in their, their catalog. And there will be an audio book, too. So. Well, hopefully we can catch oh, up again when, uh, when that happens, when the book comes around. I'd love to talk to you about that as well. And, Kathy, I would love that. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time today and heading back in time a little bit with me. I, I so appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kyle. All right. Thank you. Bye. My thanks to Kathy Valentine there. And again, my thanks to Gina Schock of the Go-Go's. Again, her new book, the new book, is called uh, Made in Hollywood, All Access with the Go-Go's. Big thanks to you as well for checking out this episode. Uh, Again, I hope you hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists. Discover some new ones. Know what's happening in the music world. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or again, anywhere you get your podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the uh, social media spots, too. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.